Hello and welcome into another episode of the Lion Slayer. I am your host, John Sauber, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle J. Andrews. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing well, as always. Just excited to be here, so I'm ready to talk about whatever today. I mean, we got a lot on our plate, of course. We Season's do have a ramping lot. Up. Um, yeah, it's that yeah, exciting time of year. Practice. Yeah, I've been, a, been to a couple practices, too. So, I mean, my first couple Penn State practices, so... That well, was, uh, that was we've been to a couple of 20 minute sessions of practice. Yeah, 20, 20 minute sessions, you know, yeah. just the, uh, uh, the usual. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we'll be at practice again. Uh, we're recording Tuesday. We'll be at practice again Wednesday. Uh, hopefully see some more there. Uh, but no, we're going to get into a lot today. Like you said, um, we're sort of at that, that, that time where it's time to predict something, do some projections, uh, look forward to the season itself rather than talking broadly about the team. Um, and this week we're going to get started with some board predictions, some stat leader predictions, uh, you know, talking about some breakout guys that we've already chosen and written about at centerdaily.com where you can find all of our work as always. Um, but first, the, the first AP poll came out on Monday, and I'm not going to do the spiel where I say the ranking doesn't matter and all that stuff because, it, you know, all that matters is the college football playoff ranking. But at the end of the day, these college football playoff uh, committee members may be swayed by an original AP poll. Maybe they're basing some of their, you know, their basis off of that. Uh, who's to say it's a new committee every year? Uh, there are new members every year, I should say, uh, in some mainstays because they cycle out every three years. But Penn State comes in the first AP pool at number 19 in the country. Um, I think that personally, I think that's about right. Um, but I do think there's a lot to that number 19 ranking and a lot that we can get into. But what was your initial reaction when you saw that Penn State was 19th and I believe third among big 10 teams ranked right uh might have been fourth don't quote me on that uh but but either 34 third or fourth among uh, amongst big 10 teams so i actually thought i was kind of surprised that they were as well not too not super super surprised but surprised a tad that they were at 19 because i thought they would have been at like you know honestly i thought they would have been in the in like you know in that 20 to like 25 range um, just based off of their performance last season. And I understand that, like, that was an off year. But, like, you know, to me, you have to earn it back. Um, but I understand. also understand that, like, they're probably thinking in the sense of they are not that bad. They are not as bad as they were last year. They're not going to be as bad as they were last year. Um, I'm, I'm just of the, you know, of the sense that maybe you should – kind of have to earn it back like if you if you you have to earn your reputation back in my opinion but you know I I mean it makes sense for how how the voters usually vote yeah and and to clarify they are fifth amongst big 10 teams among the five teams right so I was wrong uh, not third or fourth uh, both Iowa and Indiana ranked ahead of them along with Wisconsin and Ohio State but uh yeah I I, I wasn't as surprised just because, and maybe I was cheating a little bit, Brent McMurphy uh, posts his pool on Twitter before the, the pool was actually released. I saw he had Penn State at eight, and so I thought, okay, maybe they're going to come in a little higher than I expected. Uh, 19, like you said, that doesn't feel too far off. I think I, I'm with you. I probably would have ranked them had I had a vote, uh, which neither of us do, uh, would have ranked them somewhere 20 to 25th. But, you know, 19 obviously is not is as close as you can be without being in that range, so. Uh, I, I don't think it's like some egregious ranking or anything like that, but I do think like there is some uh, benefit of the doubt being given here, right. To James Franklin, to the Penn state brand, because they are Penn state, because James Franklin's had success in the past, because the, the key components to this team and the, the key component is the same as it was last year and Sean Clifford at quarterback. So I don't know that, 
you know, maybe, maybe we're attributing, and when I say we, I mean the media and the, uh, the, you know, the voters, maybe we're attributing too much of this to, uh, to just the happenstance of, of the pandemic. Right. And that's what caused their four and five season. I don't know. I think there was some on-field stuff that probably should be considered that, that would warrant even them being unranked heading into the season. Uh, but either way, it's not going to matter too much because week one, they're going to face Wisconsin. If they win that game, they're going to be ranked higher and they would have been ranked if, if they weren't ranked. And if they lose, they might not be ranked anymore. So I think that's going to, we're going to have a nice litmus test early, but as a general, you know, uh, general thought on it, I think that they're in position to at least have that number next to their name, right next to these games, uh, next to these matchups, it'll be number 19 Penn state against number 12, Wisconsin week one, which will get some eyeballs on you, which always helps with recruiting and, and potentially could help with the college football playoff committee. So there is some value in, in having this ranking uh, just, you know, not as much as there used to be. And I do think uh, it kind of sets the stage for, for where people broadly think these teams are at and help set the stage for the college football playoff rankings. And, you know, as, as time goes on, I mean, Penn State, they'll be able to boost themselves or drop themselves out on their own accord. I mean, it, it's going to be some other teams that fall down the wayside. So if, if they get out, like, I mean, before we, we got on here, I said if Penn State were to get off to a 3-0 and record to begin the season, I mean, that puts them in a very favorable spot. I mean, I, I see them in the top 10 if they can start that off. Um, so that's what I would, you know, if, if they can, if, if they won, if they win that game against Wisconsin, that's a road win. That's a Wisconsin win. That's against a ranked team on the, the first game of the season when you're, you've been rusty, you came off of a four and five record last year, and then you go and punch Wisconsin in the mouth. I mean, if you do that, then that that's huge enough. And then if you, I mean, of course, Ball State's a tough team. Um, Nova's a tough team. I mean, well, I mean, Nova's a tough CAA opponent. It was yeah, tough. No, Nova's a Nova's tough in basketball for sure. Yeah, Nova's tough in basketball. <laughs> listen, listen, Penn State's gonna get one. Look, win I'm, being nice. I'm, sure. being, yeah. I'm being nice. I'm being nice. I'm being nice. But yeah, like you know, they're 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 Philadelphia team. They're in-state opponent. <laughs> but, yeah, they're lone um, in-state yeah. opponent this year. Um, but yeah, like, you know, all they have to, if they, well, I'm not saying all they have to do, cause I think starting three and O is a huge task, but like, if, if they were to start three and O, this team is automatically going in the top 10. I mean, I don't see any way about uh, any way around it because you beat Wisconsin right off the bat. And then those two wins, of course, I mean, I think, I think Villanova is going to be a given. You're not going to start the season. <laughs> Well, well, and, and if you go in Ball punch, State, let's say Ball State week Auburn two, mouth, Auburn week three, like that's it's hard. Yeah, it, and that's it's really like, hard. Yeah, it, it's not. It, this is not conducive to three and up, pretty much as you were saying, right? Like this yeah. is a Villanova week four is like your first, like, hey, we got to win. You know what I mean? Like this is that's the first opportunity to kind of walk one over. Um, yeah, I mean it's a possibility that they start zero and zero and three. I'm not know? rolling it out. And it's also a possibility that if they if they start if they were to start three and zero, I mean, come on now. I I kind of got I kind of lost track of what game the Villanova game was too for a second. I thought they I were know, the third game, even but... even even with it, it's a fourth game. Three and zero is though. I think three and zero is the 
conversation changer, right? Like the whole conversation yeah. about Penn State football in this program and where it's at completely changes if they start 3-0. Because then if you start 3-0, you're probably underdogs in one game the rest of the year. And you're looking 11-1 straight yeah. in the face. Uh, and so yes. we'll see what, you know, uh, and it, but the, and the problem is they got to get they, to 3-0. If they, if they got the 3-0, and I like can't speculate too heavily, but if they were to get the 3-0 and then, you know, of course you can't sleep on Indiana after the Nova game. Never can sleep on, and I and I think they'll wake up for that Indiana game after what happened last season. They better, because I I think you got to play you got to play against Indiana pissed off. Like you cannot play you cannot. When I think we're thinking way too far in advance for this. Season. Yes, and Penn State but, Penn State probably hasn't. I remember last year Sean Clifford claimed that he didn't know that the team played Ohio State week two week two, which you know I don't know how much of that necessarily buy but that is the general rule for this program right that it's one to know one to know one to know they look at one opponent at a time and so if they're solely focused on wisconsin now they probably not aren't thinking about indiana until maybe they start looking ahead when they get to villanova because you can get away with it at that point uh but yeah uh they'll claim that they won't they'll claim full focus on villanova but you're right like you cannot be happy with how that indiana game ended last year and i think that completely changes things before we get too far ahead of ourselves let's transition into uh our our next segment here uh we will get to more about how we think this team could start what what the season will look like later uh right now we're going to talk about uh something we wrote about last week and that's our breakout players for the season uh myself kyle uh our sports editor lauren Mufler. Uh, former sports reporter Josh Moyer and former sports intern Derek Hyde all, all made our predictions for who would be a breakout player this season. So you can find that at centerdaily.com. But Kyle and I are going to go a little in depth on our choices here um, and why we chose them. We both went with tight ends, oddly enough, although Kyle, and, and I'm sure he would reiterate this too, went with a guy that's more of an H-back. Uh, but, but Kyle, why did you pick Brenton Strange and what went into the thought process of why he's going to be the breakout this season? So I think the reason why Brenton Strange is going to be the breakout is because, I I mean, one, Mike Yersich, his offense, I think you could get really creative with a guy with that kind of body type. I mean, you could use him as a, you know, kind of a, as a fullback, as a as a tight end, you know, H-back position, um, just have him move a lot. Um, I, I think in that kind of offense, especially with, um, you know, Sean Clifford having some trouble sometimes hitting outside guys, you know, me and you both picked tight ends. So I think that makes perfect sense that that one of those guys and and to me, strange, you know, he might not fit that mold of a uh, Rob Gronkowski type of guy like uh, who I think. I mean, honestly, Theo Johnson his, uh I think he could possibly I mean, he has to me, he looks the part, you know, Theo Johnson, 100 percent looks the part. But Brent Strange kind of reminds me of. Uh, you know, a guy like Kyle Juszczyk, you know, a guy that you could bring out of the backfield, maybe a little bit bigger than Juszczyk, but, you know, a guy that could come out of the backfield, use as a fullback, use as a tight end sometimes, maybe split him out in the slot, um, just get him some touches. Um, he's going to be, I, I think, a guy that gets open a ton just because I don't think teams are going to be keying in on him. They're going to be looking at J Dotson. And um, probably Theo Johnson, if you're splitting him out too sometimes. So, you know, I think Strange, because he has another tight end, and I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Gersich goes to two tight ends. Um, I just think that would make that would make a ton of sense on on his end if he did something like that. So, yeah, and, and I think that two tight end look doesn't have to be like you said, two base tight ends, right? Like 
they, right. by by position they may be tight ends and Brenton Strange or Theo Johnson, but they may be lined up as different different positions. Theo Johnson might be lined up as a slot wide out, and Brenton Strange might be lined up as a fullback. Like I don't I don't think it's out of this uh, outside the realm of possibility that you know those two are on the field and neither of them's lined up as a traditional attached right. tight end. Uh, and yeah. I, and I think that's to the benefit. And I think it goes into what you said about. You know, one of these guys, right? And I picked Theo Johnson for for what it's worth. Uh, and you obviously picking Strange. One of these guys is bound to break out, right? One of these guys is bound to have a bigger role in the offense. Um, who it is depends on sort of what what you think Yursich is going to call and how he's going to call a game plan. I went with Johnson over Strange just because I think Johnson is going to be flexed out more, so he may fit more of a traditional breakout, right? Like the the bigger stats. That being said, I do think there's a chance. Brenton Strange has just as much value because of the blocking, because of the inline use, because he's going to be a fullback, which I'm sure is the word fullback is music to the ears of some Penn State fans. Uh, but but he is going to be used like that. And he's going to be used as an H-back. As, like you said, a Kyle Juszczyk is a good example of a guy like that who is a threat in the passing game because of his ability to catch the ball and his ability to protect the quarterback. Uh, used in the running game because of his ability to uh, – to beat guys off the line of scrimmage with, with his blocks and, and be a lead blocker for uh, for running back. Uh, he's going to have a position no matter what the situation is, essentially. Um, that'll be the case for Theo Johnson too, but Strange might be the more versatile back because of the blocking. So uh, the more versatile tight end, I should say, because of the blocking. So I do think that there is a world where both of these guys are really important to the Penn State offense this year. Uh, I think that position, like you said, is just going to be closer to Sean Clifford. And I think that's going to help him quite a bit, uh, you know, get the ball out quicker, get the ball to guys. He feels like your security blankets and what better security blanket than a six, six, 250 pound tight end in Theo Johnson, right? Like this is a, a massive target. This is a Kyle J Andrews size target, if you will, uh, <laughs> that, that can contribute in the passing game. And, you know, he is, yeah, he's, he's, he's legit. Like my height. I mean, the dude's a freaking giant and he's huge. I mean, and you I'm not, I'm not gonna toot my own horn, but I'm a giant too. <laughs> Listen, I'm not I used mean, to being the, the short guy on the podcast, but at six two, uh, you know, I, I am in this situation, and I'm not a fan of it. Uh, but no, I, I I think the thing with Theo too is like we saw him at practice, and he just looks bigger, right? Like, and and I know you know we haven't seen we didn't get to see him last year in person, but you look at his high school tape and everything. Maybe maybe my eye was just off in what you were what I was watching in this high school film he looks much bigger in person uh, and he's going to be uh, quite frankly, should be a, a big part of Penn state's offense. And I'm sure he will be under your sitch. Um, but yeah, the, the tight end position just being closer to Clifford being a security blanket for him. I think he's going to be important for this offense this year. Uh, I think it's going to be important for uh, the, the team success. And at the end of the day, it's going to be important for Sean Clifford's success. So it made them sort of, I don't want to say easy choices because there are a bunch of guys that can break out on the team, but it made them ideal choices. Yeah. And honestly, to me, like I said, my favorite person to hit if I'm a quarterback is always going to be a tight end. I think tight ends are, you know, some of the most versatile pieces of the puzzle of the offense. You know, tight ends can do almost anything. You could use a tight end as a receiver. You could use a tight end as a fullback. You could use, I mean, shoot. Some some people use tight ends as like, I mean, I've seen tight end jet sweeps. If you want to get, if you really want to get ridiculous, if you have a Kyle Pitts type of speed tight end, which you'll never have almost any time, you'll you'll use a tight end jet sweep, which I think is the most ridiculous play in football. Kyle it, it Pitts former Penn time. State target to reopen that wound. Yes. 
Uh, but yeah, no, uh, that was a ridiculous tight end class. That was him, uh, Christian or uh, Zach Coons, excuse me, uh, and Pat Fryermuth, right? Were the the three Penn State tight end targets of that class, and Pitts, who could have played defensive end and probably would have excelled there too, ends up at Florida. Fryermuth and uh, Coons both at Penn State, but uh, I, I think you're right. The the ability to move those guys around is just so important, and quite frankly, to have a brilliant offensive mind who will do it is important too, right? Like this was, you need a creative offensive coordinator to do something like that. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I think, I think both guys are in a position to break out. We'll see if you and I end up being proven right. I prefer to be the right one. So I'm going to keep banking on Theo Johnson uh, being the guy for Penn state, potentially being more than just the guy at tight end could be the guy in the receiving game. Uh, but I think that's a good place to take us to our uh we're going to talk about next year and that's our bold predictions which for me uh is where i thrive right like this is you know we can go as off the wall as we want here you can start i can start i will let you decide uh you know who goes first but let's hear it uh with your either yours or my first bold prediction you could go first no oh, that's what i like that's what i like so i will go with uh because i know all three of these are good I know. I, I don't know which. I'll, I'll go with the the simple one first. That might not be that bold, but it is technically there because they're an underdog. I'll say Penn State starts the season one and zero, and that may seem not all that bold. Three and zero is much more bold, but it's also why I'm not saying it. But they're they're underdogs against Wisconsin. I think they have a chance against against them because, frankly, Wisconsin will let teams hang around in games because they don't blow them out. Uh, their play style is controlling the ball, controlling possession, uh, controlling the score and keeping it low. And so if Penn State hits on a few big plays, which is what Yurisich's offense is predicated upon, then, then they can bust it open. Uh, you know, I'll go a little further. I'll say Penn State beats Wisconsin by double digits week one. Ooh, I like that one. Because I, I was going to say I was going to say something to the same effect. Um, but I'll go even further than that. I think Penn State, they walk in they walk into the Indiana game. The reason why I was talking so much about the Indiana game is because I'm just going to go ahead and say it and jump out to one. I think Penn State starts the season four. No, I, I mean, I'm just going to say that right now. I think like if they, if they, you think they beat Villanova? <laughs> I mean, they're going to have to, they're going to have to fight the mighty Wildcats, you know? I mean, of course, like Nova, Nova, I mean, geez. <laughs> But yes, I, I think will, Penn I will State, Venmo they, you ten dollars right off. now. I will Venmo you ten dollars right now if you can name a single player on Villanova's roster. Just save ten dollars. Yeah, <laughs> Anyways, well, $10. as you were saying. But yeah, I, I think they start the season off four and zero. I think the Indiana game is is the the key. If you could go and punt, if they if Penn State were to punch Indiana in the mouth. I mean, I think that completely like they're a top five team at that point. I think, in my opinion, if they they need they could go into they could possibly go into Iowa. If they go into Iowa five and zero, I think you're talking possible college football playoff. But I know with Ohio State getting in the way of that, I don't think that's going to happen. So that's that's what my thought process is. I mean, I don't listen, know. I'm here for it. I'm just going to, I'm going to be as bold as possible. And this is a team that I didn't like, I think coming into everything before, before I really got here and got to kind of psychoanalyze this team and see where their heads were and like where players were last season and things like that. Like 
from the outside looking and you see a four and five team, you're like, man, that team, they're not that. It's no way that they're going to be good next season. It's absolutely no way. Or maybe they might go to like seven and five next year. Or maybe they might go to like eight and four if they're feeling lucky. But I feel like this team's better than that. I don't feel like they're a eight win team. I don't feel like they're a seven win team. So I think they at least, that's my other bold prediction is that they at least win nine games. Well, I guess that's not that bold. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen. Listen, when you see what my prediction is for the season record, and that'll be in a couple of weeks, then maybe it is bold. Uh, but I, I, I like that. You know, I, I like the uh, the four and zero start and the 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 five and zero beating Indiana. Listen, the the, the problem is like, you, if you look at this roster, it is so it, it's really good. Like, it's a genuinely good roster. It's a genuine top ten to fifteen team in the country, right? That should be able to compete with most teams that aren't Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Quite frankly, problem is quarterback. Uh, and you know, that's a pretty hefty problem to have. And that is also why one of my predictions is that take one Roberson, take one Roberson will start at least one game that is not injury related, meaning Sean Clifford is healthy. Take one Roberson is healthy and Roberson gets a start. Uh, I, the reason, the reason I limited it to one game, I think what happens this year is what happened last year at state, right? Uh, Clifford that maybe they went in spite of him week one. Uh, you know, there, there's a little momentum there and then they struggle uh, to, to sort of get the train rolling and things get bad enough that they finally decide to make the switch to Roberson. But the problem is Roberson sees the field and isn't much better. So then they return back to Clifford uh, and he finishes the season as a starting quarterback. That is the the timeline we saw last year. It's how things it, essentially how it played out. Right. Uh Will Levis replaces – Will Levis, by the way, now Kentucky starting quarterback, uh, for those interested. Uh, Will Levis starts against Iowa after finishing the game against Nebraska, gets benched against Iowa for Clifford. Clifford starts the rest of the way. Uh, and so I think that's, again, what we're looking at here. Uh, I, I made sure to include the injury caveat because, uh, you know, one, predicting injuries is a, is a you know, fruitless endeavor. There, there's so much randomness to it. But, two, like – it's also cheating to say like, oh, he's going to start and, you know, not have that caveat because maybe guys get hurt in football all the time. You know, it's reasonable to say that a guy like Clifford, who does put his body on the line quite a bit, could get dinged up for a game. But uh, I will say Roberson starts at least one game due to performance. So if we're sticking with quarterbacks, um, we're sticking with Sean Clifford. Um, I know as tough as we've been on Sean Clifford on this podcast and you know, maybe our journalism as well. I, you know, I'll, I, I think that Mike Yersich is going to get the best out of Sean Clifford. I'll say that right now. And I think the best out of Sean Clifford is 25 touchdowns. Now, I mean, well, I think if he, if he were, <laughs> And and we got to keep this mind. I think if he throw if he does throw twenty five touchdowns, seven of those possibly could come at Villanova. <laughs> so like, I mean, honestly, we call that I, a Nick Fools game. Exactly. Exactly. He's gonna have he he might seven piece Villanova, and that that's what I'm thinking. I think Sean Clifford throws for twenty five touchdowns this season. I think, I think that he ends up with. 30 total touchdowns or 30 plus total touchdowns. I like it. Cause you know, the running ability is going to come into play there, right? You know, it's, it's, yes. it's just uh, a matter of how often 
Yurcic puts him puts him out there in those situations as opposed to you know how often Clifford just does it himself in those situations, which I think he will. He's proven he wants to and he's proven he will. Um, 25 touchdowns would be a career high for Clifford. He had 23 two years ago. It would also be uh, more remarkable, I would say, because of the schedule this year, right? Like this is – these are tough defenses that Penn State is going to be facing almost week in and week out. Um, I would not go that high. We'll get into our uh, stats projections later. Uh, I like the optimism, though. I like the uh, the Sean Clifford optimism because, you know, the, the discourse around him is – Generally, I don't want to say it's negative. It's, it's been honest, quite frankly, uh, with his struggles last year. And he's been – he said as much about his struggles last year. Uh, I just can't get there. But I will stick with the offense uh, for this one. And this one is – am I going to be wrong about this one? Probably. Uh, but I'll say that Keziah Holmes leads the team in rushing this year. Uh, the, the running backs uh, are going to be fun to watch uh, this year. You know, there's so much depth. Um, but there is – there's not a clear cut guy right now. I think most people would say that Noah Kane is that guy, but he does have an injury history and, and he also doesn't have the breakaway speed. I, I don't think to be the ideal number one back, uh, you know, back to, you know, two years ago uh, when, when I first got, uh, got here and joined the beat as our secondary beat writer, I was saying, you know, that I, I wasn't that high on Kane. I was more of a Devin Ford guy because I thought Ford had more explosion in his game. And that's kind of what I still see with Kane. That being said, still very good, still a good short yardage back, still, you know, a guarantee to get three yards a carry because of his strength and power uh, and still could be the leading rusher. But if we're going to go bold, uh, I may as well go this bold. Uh, and I think because Holmes has a ton of upside is going to be their top receiving option too out of the backfield, which should earn him more snaps. I think it's interesting that uh, they basically said that they want three running backs to be the primary guys. So it'll be interesting to see who the two left out are. Uh, I would, you know, this is just conjecture, but I would think that either only one of Noah Kane and Kevon Lee are involved in the rotation at a time just because of the overlap in their play styles, which I think then leaves two spots for John Lovett, uh, Keziah Holmes, and Devin Ford. And, you know, I can't imagine John Lovett transferred to Penn State without getting without knowing he was going to get some playing time. And I think Holmes is the, the highest upside of those three options. So uh, I, I'm going to say that the three primary backs this year are Holmes, Kane, and Lovett, and that Holmes ends up leading the team in rushing. I think that Penn State also, this is my third and final bowl prediction, but I think Penn State finishes with the top 20 defense. I think that defense, the defense is too talented. I didn't, I, don't, I didn't include this, but I'm going to one up you on that. I'm just going to steal a fourth board prediction, rip, your, rip the rug from under you, because I wrote about this last night. Check that out with the de- defensive versatility article I wrote, uh, published this morning. I think Penn State finishes with a top 10 defense this year. And and that's the thing. If they finish with the top 10 defense, in my opinion, they have to like if they if they finish with the top 10 defense, they're fin- they're starting a season four and oh. That's 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 my opinion. Like if if you start with the top 10 defense, you gotta, I mean, it they have to go four and oh. I don't think that offense that offense has to be putrid for them not to go four and oh. And I don't think I don't think they. Well, I got some bad news for you, given what we saw last year. I don't think they're going to be putrid. Now, do I think they're going to be? Eh, yeah, but I don't think they're going to be putrid. Now, look, I could be wrong. I mean, fit, look, they were fifty fourth last season in offense and and points for. I mean, points per game. Twenty nine point eight points per game. I think that they. I mean, honestly. 
against Wisconsin, you're not going to put up 20, you're not going to put up 28, 29 points. You're just not going to do it. So that's going to have to be, like you said, winning in spite of Sean Clifford. Now, I think Sean Clifford gets maybe one touchdown in that game. Now, in, in the other games, I don't see why, you know, they can't, like I said, they hit tight ends, they get guys open. But with that defense, I mean, if their defense is as good as we think they're going to be, I think they finish, they start the season off really hot. Because, one, I'll be honest about Auburn, Bo Nix is mid at best. I'm sorry. Like, he's well, just not. Well, here's the thing. I don't think Bo Nix is the starter. I think TJ Finley yeah. is the starter at that point. I don't, I don't – yeah, I, exactly. I don't I don't think – I think Bo Nix loses his job at, at best. So, we'll see. If he keeps it, that's probably a bad sign because, as you said, like I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not a big believer in Bo Nix. Uh, I, I will say though uh, that you know Penn State, as far as defense last year, generally I base these things off of SB plus. Anyone who's sort of read my stuff from last year knows that's a metric that I go to a lot. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a metric created by Bill Collin, Bill Connolly, who's at ESPN now. Uh, it is a uh, predictive system, so it's intending to look how how you'll fare moving forward. Uh, it doesn't base on, on what team's done. It's, it's looking forward, like I said. Um, it is a tempo and opponent-adjusted measure of college football efficiency. And uh, those who know me know I love efficiency stats. Penn State last year uh, in defense finished 14th in SP+, plus, uh, 26th in offense. Um, I think that they outperformed that, quite frankly, because they're more talent defensively. Uh, even Because, you know, the biggest losses last year was uh, were Micah Parsons, who didn't play for the team. Uh, in 2020, and Adafi Owe, who, while they're going to have a hard time at defensive end, I don't think that mitigates the gains that they'll make at other positions. So I think they'll be greatly improved from that standpoint. I do think, however, that that doesn't necessarily portend good things just because the offense, like, even if the defense is really good, they can be put in compromised positions, right, where they're, you know, if they're looking at first and goal where a drive starts because of an interception or a fumble or whatever, like, it's you can't really blame the defense for that. So I do think that while the defense I, I expect to be excellent, I don't know that the offense is going to be able to keep up. And I am going to withhold my record prediction until uh, we write that story here. And we'll talk about it next week, uh, but we'll write that story in I think two weeks time. So we'll get to that then. And me personally, I, I guess I'll go out on a limb. Can I, can I do my record prediction or do we want to hold that as well? Hey, do as you please. We are co-hosts for a week. Do we just want to? Do we just want to peel off the wound right now, or do we just want to keep a bandage until until like later? Listen, you, know? you already you already bold prediction that that they'd win nine games. No turning back now. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's also can, really like, fair. At, at least nine games, I should say. We, so you have a range to work with. You can go as high as fifteen and zero if you would like. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it, but it is an option. Uh, yeah, I think they go ten and two. Yeah, I do think. See, that's the thing about this team. Ten and two. If if you if they start four and zero, as you said, I think ten and two might be a, the median outcome, right? Because the, yeah. the losable games. I think, I think they are, lose are the Iowa, and I think they lose the Ohio State. I think they smoke Michigan. Honestly, I think Michigan's getting. I think Michigan's, Michigan's getting not obliterated. good. Yeah, I think Michigan's getting obliterated. I think they beat Maryland going down there, and I think they, of course, they're going to be. I think they beat Michigan State. So I think 10 and 2 is my record prediction. And then Illinois just they might as Illinois might as well turn There's in their your pads. walk over. They, they might as well turn in their pads. 
because <laughs> they're, be, they're not going to be good. They, just turn your pads in, uh, bring your playbook. Coach wants to see you, all that stuff. Just <laughs> buy, just get done. Hey, give, give Brett Bielma some credit. There's a chance for a turnaround out there, but I'm with you. They're, they should be pretty bad this year. Uh, I mean, and, if you couldn't do anything at Arkansas, like, I don't I mean, you're not doing anything at Illinois because all Arkansas does is pump money into that football program, and they're still not good. So, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, I, I do I mean, think. I, I, th- I think you're, you're, you nailed the losses, though, right, if they're going for Because, like, you're not really losing. Or I guess you, they could lose to Indiana. But uh, I'm kind of with you on that that train. I, I sort of expect them to, to come in angry and, and play really well against Indiana and get that win. But Iowa's always tough. Kinnick, you know it's going to be a night game, too, right? Like, that's going to be a massive game for Iowa. It's going to be a massive game for Penn State. Uh, and Ohio State is Ohio State. I don't want to, like – be too depressing about the, the outlook of facing Ohio State this year, but that's I mean, it's going to be a tough game, you know, no matter who starts, even if, if C.J. Stroud wins the quarterback job at Ohio State, which it looks like he's gonna, it's going to be tough. If Jack Miller wins it, it's going to be tough. If Quinn Uru somehow comes in and gets it, it's going to be tough. Like, there's that's the biggest question mark, and it's, they, they, have, they all they, need to they, tough they out. They have Chris Olave play te- he could play quarterback, play a little and it would still be tough. Exactly. It would still be tough. Listen, they might be the best team in the country. You know, yeah. that's that's what it comes down to. And that's not a knock on Penn State or James Franklin or the program they've built. Like, this is just – this is the simple truth of where they're at right now. They're yeah. a notch below Ohio State, probably two notches at this point after last year. Uh, and, you know, Penn State has done an excellent job on the, on the trail in the 2022 recruiting class. But at the end of the day, Ohio State might bypass them with eight or so fewer commits the next time they add a few guys, right, like the next wave of commits they get. So yeah. Because they're, 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 they're getting four or five star guys on a regular basis. It's you know that's that's tough to catch up to. I mean, Penn State's putting together a lot of, you know, they're getting a lot of guys that are high three stars, you know, four star guys, and you know, denies a five star on rivals and getting to be a five star on twenty four seven soon. But like, you know, Penn. I mean, Ohio State's getting five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, five-star guys. And that's really hard to compete against. No matter that's, which that's Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Those are the schools that are keeping that pace. And listen, this college football is now about the haves and have-nots. And right now, Ohio State is a have and Penn State is not quite a have. And which makes them a have-not, right? Like they yeah. they're they're building toward it, but until you're on that level, you're you're yeah. you're just gonna be and a tough position. That's not to say they can't see. beat them by the way. Because yeah. five years ago they beat them with a worse team. And that's, that's the other thing that I want, you know, we'll get into later uh, because this deserves more time. There's a world where this mirrors 2016, right? Where they start out one and two, where they start out with a conference loss, like they did back then against Michigan this year, beat Wisconsin, or where they have a non-conference loss this year against either Auburn or Ball State back then against Pitt. And you're one and two, and you're looking at the, you know, this horrible season in the face. And then you reel off nine in a row. And uh, Again, they're good enough to beat Ohio State. It's just like it's a it's not a pie in the sky outcome, but it's like a 90th percentile outcome for them to do it. Right. They've got less than 10 percent chance of, of beating them with their current construction of their team. Uh, you know, that's uh, it, it's just sort of the state of the programs. It's sort of where they're at in, in the realm of college football. But I think that we've done enough uh, flaunting about how good Ohio State is, which deservedly so they've been dominant for for a few years now, especially. Honestly, since Ryan Day has taken over, they've taken it to a new level, which I don't think I expected or many people expected, but they have. Um, 
We can get into a few more uh, minor things here. We can run through these pretty quickly because we spent quite a bit of time on our board predictions, which to me is always the funnest part of these things. Uh, do some stat projections. I will run through my three offensive leaders first, and then if we can discuss them and run through yours at the same time. Uh, I went with – so I expect Sean Clifford to lead the team in passing because I homes lead in rushing, as I said, and Jahan Dotson lead in receiving, which is really going out on a limb, I know. Uh, but with Clifford, I will say he gets 2,500 yards, only 19 touchdowns, throws 10 picks, and has sort of a similar year to last year. Kaziah Holmes, I will say, gets 130 carries for 650 yards and rushes for four touchdowns. But again, I think this is going to be a pretty split backfield. And Dotson, I think, just builds off of last year again. 70 catches, uh, 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. Wanted to go higher on that uh, in the yardage, but Frankly, I just don't think there are going to be that many passing yards available to this team this year. So I think Sean Clifford throws for around 200, I mean, 2,800 yards. Um, but I, I, like I said, I still think he gets 25 touchdowns uh, just based off of the fact that I think the tight ends will be very good this season. Um, I do think he'll have 10 interceptions because I think in Gersich's offense, they're going to have to throw a little bit more. I think that you know, Noah Kane's going to be the leading rusher. I put Noah Kane at somewhere around like 900 yards uh, rushing um, because I, I just think they have too much depth. Like you, it's not it's not that Noah Kane or one of these other guys couldn't hit a thousand if they were used by themselves. But this is such a different running back group than what they had when they had like Saquon Barkley or when they had Miles Sanders, even when Journey Brown was there. And still, even when Journey Brown was there, they still use multiple backs. So it's I not think like, had Journey been healthy last year, I think you're. I think where you're going with that is right, though. I think yeah, he would have been that feature back. Journey Brown was really good. Yeah, really, really. Yeah, good. Journey was the next. He was going to be the next NFL running back that Penn State had for sure. It was no doubt in my mind. And um, you know, when it comes to receiving, this is where I think it gets interesting because to me, Jahan Dotson should have a thousand yards, right? I think I think he should have a thousand yards. And I mean, if that's the case, then his usage is going to be off the wall. Like, I mean, because if you're getting a thousand yards of your quarterbacks to uh, 2,800 passing yards, I mean, you're getting you're getting a lot of touches, which I think he will get. I think they'll find ways to scheme him open. I think he gets a thousand yards. I think he has about like uh, I want to say about like 70, 80 maybe not. Well, probably, I mean, if he's getting a thousand yards, I think he gets like 90 catches at least uh, maybe a hundred um, just because, you know, they're going to have to do something to get him open. And I don't think Sean Clifford's throwing the ball 50 yards downfield on bombs every time. So especially in, you know, I think a Yurisich is offense. So that's my, those are my offensive predictions. Yeah. And I think the, uh, Yours are your, especially with no cane, it's probably more rational than mine. But listen, when you got to make a bold predict, when you make a bold prediction, you got to stick with it. Uh, and I, I did that with Holmes, but uh, yeah, I, I think, I think generally the passing game might suppress how high Dawson can get. And I think that's sort of the only thing that can limit. I don't know that there's anything in his game that limits him. Maybe it's focus of defense. He's the focus of the defense. Maybe it's they're just not able to generate, you know, much passing offense, but. Uh, you know, I'm with you on that front. He's, he's the guy, right? Like he is, he's been the guy uh, and he's going to be the guy. Um, let's flip to defense real quick. Uh, you know, and we'll get out of here. Uh, project leaders in sacks, tackles, and interceptions. Since I went first last time, you go ahead and go first this time. 
All right. So sex. <laughs> I think I actually think Curtis Jacobs finished with, with the team lead in sex. I think he ends up with about, I would say about 10 sacks. Um, just because I think the sacks are going to be pretty spread out, but I think they're going to send him, they're going to find different ways to send him at the, the quarterback. Cause I think, you know, we've seen him in practice a couple of different times. Um, he's put on some muscle of course, but he still looks lean and he looks quick. And if, if you got a guy like that, and I know they run a four, three defense and usually outside linebackers in a four, three defense aren't as, you know, they're not the same kind of pass rushes that you would get in a three, in a three, four defense and with outside linebackers. But I think they, that he leads the team in, with 10 sacks tackles. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Smith. I think Brandon Smith, he's, he is the guy that I think can break out. I think he's going to, he's going to bust some heads this season. I think he, he ends up with, he ends up with a hundred tackles. Um, I think that's within a realm of possibility. Uh, and then when it comes to interceptions, I mean, <laughs> you can go any way with this. I, I mean, it, interceptions tough. is tough it, because it's, it's so random. Yeah. I mean, that, that comes at, that comes at a random, but, you know, we could always go Tariq Castro Fields. We could always go, you know, any Joey Porter Jr. We could go, I mean, you could go with any of these guys. So I feel like that's kind of a toss up. But I think Tariq Castro Fields finishes with about four or five interceptions this season. And I think he's he's your leader. Yeah, we were we were generally in the, the numbers anyways, pretty close with those. Uh, I will say Arnold Ebiketti finishes with 10 sacks. I get what you're saying about Jacobs. I do think, you know, Blitzing will get him some numbers. I just think Ebiketti is going to be rushing on almost every passing down and every passing down that he's out there because I think dropping me into coverage frequently, quite frankly, would be a mistake. And Ebiketti is was so good at Temple last year. Uh, I tend to buy that that leap forward is real, and I think it'll continue to be real uh, at Penn State. Also said Brandon Smith would get 100 tackles. Listen, maybe we're both taking the easy way out, but maybe it's also the obvious answer. He's going to be a game wrecker for them in the middle of the field. Uh you know, there's a chance he's the the best player on the defense, not named Jaquan Brisker this year, uh, and, you know, should be making plays for Penn State at all three levels. Uh, you know, there will be times that we watch him chase down some wide receivers, I bet, and we're all astonished that he had the speed to do it. Uh, and then interceptions, like I said, there's a lot of randomness here, right? There's the ball's got to come to you for one, so that might make it harder for Porter Jr. to read Castro Fields. Uh, but also you have to be on the field enough, which makes Castro Fields and Porter Jr., you know, a little more likely in those scenarios. Thought about going with Jaquan Brisker here. Uh, ended up going with Keaton Ellis at safety, uh, which also means that I think Ellis wins the other safety job, and I think he's got the talent to do it. And frankly, I think he's going to be playing the pass more than Brisker will. I think when they, they send a deep safety, that it's more likely to be Ellis and his ball skills sort of come out, and he has you know the the talent to bring them down. That being said, I only projected three. And we have it's a story just, about Keaton Ellis coming out soon. That's right. We do have a story about Keaton Ellis coming out soon. Uh, you beat me to the plug on that one. Uh, Kyle will have a, what I'm sure will be a fantastic story on Keaton Ellis on centerdaily.com. Um, but that'll do it for this week's episode of the Lion Slayer. As I said, and as you know, we've said several times this episode, you can find everything Kyle and I write at uh, centerdaily.com. You can subscribe to the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast to get a discounted rate on all sports related coverage there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at John Sauber. You can find Kyle at, at Kyle J Andrews underscore. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast and, you know, wherever you're listening to us. Uh, and, you know, please continue to read our work. We're, we're looking forward to having more episodes uh, 
as we get to the season, we're now basically two and a half weeks out from the season opener. So definitely some exciting, exciting times. Uh, but thanks for tuning in and have a great day.